series called Do Not Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, and we're going through a book with that exact same name by Louis Giglio. And what we're doing, just to give you a, 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 a kind of a refresher, is that this week I'll be talking about chapters four and five, but I don't really preach those chapters. I read those chapters, and then I preach uh, kind of what I think uh, is good for living spring out of those two things. And then uh, when you go into your small groups, there's small group questions that have to do with that book and have to do with the sermon. And the idea is just to make as many points of contact as we can so that you will know that the Bible is accessible to you, that it's applicable, and that it actually is a really good handbook for uh, living your life. And so uh, this morning, I'm going to be preaching out of a section of scripture that we just barely touch on in uh, those two chapters uh, of four and five. And um, it uh, hopefully it'll kind of enlighten your brain and so that when you go into this week, you'll have some things that you can apply to your life and uh, work on. I I'm a systems person. I love systems. I actually have a, a saying I use that um, bad systems make good people look bad. And so if you are an, uh, a boss and you are frustrated with your employees, my first th thought is you have a bad system, not bad employees. That you're doing something that doesn't give them the tools they need, doesn't give them something they need for it, it to work. I, am, I have systems for everything in my house, right? It drives my wife crazy. I have uh, battery-operated tools. There's a system for charging all those batteries. I wear these types of shirts. There's a system I have in my closet for the shirts. If something is going wrong in the household, I blame the system. I don't blame my wife. I don't even blame myself. We got to fix the system, right? Well, the Lord set up a system that was actually good, that we didn't do very well, and it wasn't a reflection on a bad system. It was a reflection on us, and that was kind of the point of the system. It was called the Old Testament and the sacrificial system with the law. And what the Lord was trying to show us through the law was that here's a really good system and you still can't even do that. And so that we would turn to God. So we're going to be looking at a section of scripture this morning that um, uh, two chapters in the book of Romans. Romans is just a book that the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to a church in Rome, and it's super heady. And so I'm warning you right now, I'm going to geek out over the Bible this morning, okay? I, there's just a bunch of stuff in here that we have to get through quickly that is really awesome and really exciting, and so uh, I'm just going to kind of... Uh, geek out a bit, but uh, it'll be okay, and next week I won't be such a geek, but this week I will be, and uh, so it ends, we're going to be starting in Romans chapter 7, and if you're into this kind of stuff, Romans chapter 7 brings some uh, people uh, some difficulty, because they're trying to figure out, is Paul writing from uh, a Jewish perspective, a, a, a new Christian's perspective, or a uh, mature Christian's perspective. That's kind of where all the hubbub happens. And people have very strong opinions on this. Me, as a non-scholar, say I don't care at all. Because it's so clear what Paul is trying to say, it actually applies to all of us. Even if you're new to the Bible and you don't even know if you should be following the Bible or you don't know if you believe in God or whatever, this still applies to you. And you'll see it in, when I tell you that we have these two competing brains. We talked about it the very first uh, week that we were talking about. 
that we say to ourselves, we know what we're supposed to do, <laughs> but we don't do it. We know what we're supposed to do. And this can go into any area of your life. You know you're not supposed to get totally outraged at your kids, right? Then you step on a Lego. And then it's all going, you know, you're like, you know you're not supposed to use that language, but you step on a Lego, right? And I mean, that's just the way it goes. You know how you're supposed to eat, but then you open the fridge. You know that you're supposed to exercise or at least get up off the couch a little bit, but you grab the remote, right? So it's just all these different areas. We know it's not necessarily knowledge that is tripping us up. It's this disconnect between what we know we're supposed to do and we don't do it. We know we're supposed to spend, for though I'm just talking to Christians right now, we're supposed to daily spend a time that we separate and we spend it with God alone, right? But then the, the alarm goes off. And it's just like, man, I'm tired because I was watching, you know, in our house, Korean uh, dramas at, at night. I don't know, right? Okay, those of you who are, I know. Thank you, Chow. And so, uh, right? So whatever it is, right? we know, but we don't. Well, we're going to look at a guy, the Apostle Paul, that was like super Christian, and he is telling us the exact same thing. It's starting in Romans chapter 7, verse 21. He says this, so I find this law at work, right? Although I want to do good, and that's most people I see. They want to do good. They want to speak kind words. They want to get through difficulty without getting all tripped up. They don't want to over-medicate. They don't want to overreact, right? They want to do good, but evil is right there with me. And that's why we call this series, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, because we have this opportunity to commune with God all day long as though we're at a table in a restaurant and the enemy is going, look what they're eating over at that table. That's, that looks a lot better than this. Look at, they look like they're having a lot more fun than you are at the table with Jesus. And, he, and that's what he does. And so the whole idea of the book is there's other competing thoughts in our mind. And we're going to be talking a lot this morning about your mind and to protect it and to, to realize what's going into your mind, right? And so he says, I, I, I want to do good. But it seems like there's an enemy right at the table next to me, sitting there whispering into my ear, going, oh, she is not fulfilling your needs. I don't know how you put up with her. Or, oh, wow, you should have gotten that promotion. You didn't get that promotion? Hmm, that's so sad. That is so sad. You must be really upset. You must be real bitter about that. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Right? I don't know if you felt this way or not, but uh, and, and maybe, maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus or you don't know much about the Bible, but, but you'd probably say it this way. I want to be a good person. I, I want to be someone who's generous, who's joyful, who lives with peace. Right? Who thinks about others above myself. Now, maybe you're not. Maybe you're like, no, I'm number one. We're going to get to you in a second. But for the most part, most of the people I know, this is where they're at. They, they delight in God's law. 
But I see another law at work in me waging war against, and I put it in yellow, against the law of my mind. All of what I'm talking about this morning and the steps I'm going to give you this week all have to do with your mind. Because you have two things going on at the same time. You have a mind that knows information, knows what you want to be, can, can kind of visualize your perfect future self if you want to get all heady about that. But then you have this thing we call the flesh that loves dopamine hits. Our flesh loves it. We love to get our way. We love to be right. We love to win arguments. We love for people to like us, to put little thumbs up on all of our Instagram posts. We love all that stuff. And so we have this mind and we have this flesh and these, this is the tension you will manage for the rest of your life. But I'm here to tell you, spoiler alert, you can be victorious in this. You absolutely can. Although the tension is always there and although it's a war, right? Waging war, right? Against the law of your mind. You can be victorious in it. So he sees this other law at work, and it's at work, right? Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So just to make this clear, this sounds defeatist, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like you're just like, wow, man, if the Apostle Paul is going through this, how am I going to be patient at that soccer game when the ref clearly made a bad call? Like, if Paul can't do it, how am I going to be able to do it? Well, hold, hold on, because he, he's talking about that. What he's trying to get across to you and to me is that we all have this tension in us that we're trying to manage. We know the right thing to do, but it often becomes hard to do it. For any of you who've struggled with addiction, you know exactly what this is going on. You could tell me all day long, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. And then the stress hits and you're like, you find yourself doing it. And you're like, man, and then you get on your knees and you pray and you're like, God, just take it away, just take it away, just take it away. And, and, and it just doesn't, you're just like, is it, am I ever gonna do that? Or am I just a prisoner? Of this addiction. Some of you, it's your anger, and you know you're not supposed to get upset. You know you're not supposed to overreact. You know you're not supposed to say those words or act like that or do that. And then something comes up, and you're you're good, and you're good, and you're quiet, and you're calm, and you fold your arms and go uh uh uh, and then <laughs> you explode. Right? It's it's making me a prisoner. It's at work within me. Watch what he says. What a wretched man I am. What a wretched woman I am. He's not saying man in the sense that only men go through this, right? He could say, what a wretched person I am. I mean, this is just the tension that we carry with us as human beings. And the law exposed that in us. The law said, here's a system for you. If you just follow the system, you'll be fine. And we're just like, we can't follow the system. We just can't, right? So watch what he says, and this is very encouraging. What a wretched person I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Now what I love about this is he, he uses who. He doesn't say what. Paul doesn't say it this way. 
Because this is what I'd be looking for. I'd be looking for a system, right? He doesn't say, what a wretched man I am. What, what system can I put into place where I don't do this anymore? How can I try harder? How can I, I should be in the word more. I should be in prayer more. Maybe that's part of it. No, no, no. He says, who? He's talking about what we've been talking about, being at the table with Jesus. Being around Jesus, bringing everything to Jesus. What, how, Jesus, how would you handle this addiction in me? How would you handle this anger problem in me? How would you handle this, this, this my inability to trust? How, how would you handle my, my every day I just want comfort? I just want ease. Like, how? Who? Paul says, who's going to rescue me from this? And then he says, thanks be to God. And you know why he says that? Because he found the answer. He knows the answer. And for some of you, like I said, maybe you're new to the Bible, new to God and all this kind of stuff. This is what we call the gospel. This is what we call the good news. That you do not have to do it on your own. You don't have to navigate your life your way. You don't have to create your own system. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. That there's this deliverance. That there's a model. There's another way to go through life where you're not just sitting every day with this tension of, I want to do the right thing, but I can't do the right thing. I want to do the right thing. I can't do the right thing. I want to do it, but I can't. And it's just failure after failure after failure. And you just say, this is miserable. I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to go that way. Now, there will be some things that we're going to see in a little bit that I'm going to ask you to do. And I'm actually going to ask you to do them this week. I'm going to ask you to begin to change your mind. It goes on, uh, same verse in Romans 7.25. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law. But in my sinful nature, a, a slave to the law of sin. So Paul begins to change his language about shifting his mind. In his mind, he wants to do the right thing, but his body says no. Now he's shifting his mind to say, I am a slave in my mind, to what God would have for me. I'm still, I still got this sinful nature, right? Now, what he does is he makes a shift. We, we make the shift. We call it chapter 8, but it's, he's just writing one letter. So I just want there to be clear. Now, before I get to verse 8, because it's, a, I mean, chapter 8, it's a very famous section of Scripture. I want to talk to you a little bit about Christianity. Okay. For many of you, you became a Christian, and I've mentioned this before many times about uh, in this kind of little theological mindset. You became a Christian to avoid hell, and that's good. You should avoid hell, okay? Uh, you, you, you don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven. And so you have this thing of you're going to accept Jesus and not, not go to hell, and that is excellent, okay? That is like getting married just so you can have sex. Great. Good for you. You made it. But spoiler alert, that doesn't happen every day, okay? Spoiler alert, you have to wake up every morning, get ready for work, 
uh, whatever, you know, all this kind of stuff. And again, not to make you feel uncomfortable. Some of you are already shifting and you're, you know, you're like, oh boy, right? Okay, I'm just, I'm just telling you, that, that's, it's good. That's great. That's great. And, and so when we accept Christ, there is that thing of like, hey, when you die, you can spend eternity with Jesus. That's awesome. But there's another level, something I think is even more important, that you can actually be victorious and experience some of the things you would experience in heaven, even now, even, as we learn from that young man, even through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil. That there's something about a relationship with Jesus throughout the mundane day that brings joy and peace and all the fruit of the Spirit that we know. And so, this next verse is very famous, and so I had to preface it with that, because we think of sin management of like, I want to ask for forgiveness so I make it to heaven. I want to ask for forgiveness so I make it to heaven. That, that's good. That's good. But that's such a small part of what it means to be at the table with Jesus every single day. I hope that makes sense. It doesn't offend anybody. Um, but it's the way I see it. And I'm the pastor. Okay. So here. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, we read this verse, and rightly so. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you sin, you ask for forgiveness. There's no condemnation. Do I still make it to heaven? Yes, you do. Okay, good. There's no condemnation. Ah, oh, I sinned again. Oh, Lord, can you please forgive me. Do I make it to heaven? Yes, you do. Okay, good. There's no condemnation. Now think of it. In the context of what we've been reading, this tension between what I don't want to do and what I know I should do. Am I condemned to this life for the rest of my life? No, you're not condemned to that. You can have vic victory in it. There is no condemnation. You're not condemned to that for the rest of your life. You don't have to struggle for the rest of your life. Does that make sense? So there is a dual meaning to this. Yes, it has to do with heaven and eternity. And we should always ask Jesus for forgiveness, invite him into our heart, make him Lord and Savior. But in the process of that, we go through this thing called life. And he says, you are not condemned to do the same thing over and over and over in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life when... Now, not just eternal life, life now has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is a way to shift your mind to that of the Spirit. It's the Spirit who gives life and he has set you free. Watch. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. In other words, by just following the law, we didn't have this power of the Holy Spirit. The law was there to just show us that no matter what the system is, we're going to fall short of the glory of God, for all have fallen short, right? So for the law was powerless to do, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. In other words, he completed the system perfectly. In other words, he fulfilled the law and then became a sacrifice and said, we're starting a new system now. And this is a system that is managed 
empowered and strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? I told you I was going to geek out over it. I love this stuff. Okay. And so, okay, so likeness in, uh, of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. In other words, the same victory that Jesus walked around in, the same calmness Jesus walked around in, the same joy, and I don't know if your Jesus in your Bible has joy, but oftentimes in history when we think about Jesus, we think of just an uptight dude, an uptight white dude with long hair. That's not Jesus. Hebrews says Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy. He had peace. He was calm. He was giving and serving and patient. He was all these things that we all want to be in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the what? Spirit. We change our mindset. It's not just, I want to do it, but I can't do it. I want to do it, I can't do it. It's okay. How do I make room? For this Holy Spirit to shape me, to inform me, to empower me. He goes on. Here's the hint of how he does that. Those who live according to the flesh have set their minds on what the flesh desires. In other words, it's top of mind. We have to make a mental shift of getting our minds out of the flesh. I don't mean out of the gutter. I mean just where it's focused on what do I need right now? What is my pleasure right now? What can I buy right now? Why aren't they serving me right now? Why don't I get what I deserve? Why did they do that to me? But this self-centered just mindset of the flesh. I need my needs met. My life is passing me by. I'm going to miss out. I'm going to miss out. God has these things for me, and, 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 and I, I made some mistakes. Now I'm going to miss out on life. It's impossible to miss out on life when you know Jesus. That is your life. <laughs> he leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't guide you to rainbows and unicorns. It's like whatever life brings you. This relationship with Jesus and this empowered by the Holy Spirit allows us to get through it, even with joy, even with peace. But this mind, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. This mindset. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And what the Spirit desires is your best. You say, well, I don't, I don't know if I feel that way. Well, there's a good chance it has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. It has to do with where my mind is set, what my focus is, what I have in, given myself as an idea of what a good life is. He goes on and he, and he makes this incredible statement uh, as we kind of wrap up where we're going to be in Romans. The mind governed by the flesh is death. It's death to try to get your way, to try to create a system so that I get all my needs met is death. And you've probably gone through this. 
This is what gets us into addiction. This is what gets us into our relationships being broken apart. Because we say, oh man, I, I got to get my needs met. I need to have it my way. I deserve. This isn't fair. It's exhausting. It's death, is what Paul is trying to say. So, it, so let's just come back a little bit. Paul says, I know the right thing to do, but it's hard for me to do it. I keep having this tension. It's, my life isn't working out. And he says, man, I'm wretched. What's the solution? The solution is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit through what Christ has done on the cross. That's your solution. And to then shift your mind. Like maybe you're here for another purpose. Maybe you're here to get to know Jesus so well that you look forward to spending eternity with him. Right. Goes on, but the mind governed by the spirit, that is life and peace. A mindset, a life governed by the Holy Spirit is life and peace. Do you notice that Paul has not once mentioned our circumstances? He's not once mentioned getting a new job, finding the right spouse, Moving to Tennessee, he hasn't done any of that. He hasn't mentioned anything like that. It's all up here. <laughs> all of it. Now, this isn't just positive thinking. I don't have a toupee and I didn't get my teeth whitened, okay? I'm not, I'm not a motivational speaker, okay? It's, I'm not trying to say, live, just live the good life, just think positive thoughts and you'll be great. No, sometimes you think horrible thoughts, right? But it's a mind governed, controlled by the Spirit, asking you questions. So when the enemy comes to your table and says, man, don't they look like they're having so much fun over there? They're just laughing and having a great time. You're here with Jesus. Jesus didn't crack one joke just yet. What is going on? How come, what's going on? And you say, I have a mind governed by the Spirit. I wonder what they're going to be like tomorrow morning. Like, I wonder what, are they really that happy? Like, it's just... This idea of just taking these thoughts, we'll talk about it next week, taking them captive, actually interrogating them. This shift in a mindset. Thessalonians says it this way. I really like this because um, the Bible uses the word quench. Like we would say we quench our thirst. The, when the Bible in the New Testament uses this word for quench, it always has to do with fire. Always. Um, at one point, Jesus says, quench a smoldering reed, but that's really just fire anyway. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Now, here's what he says to the, uh, uh, to the church in Thessalonica. Do not quench the Spirit. In other words, the fire of the Spirit. The thing that's going to warm you. The thing that's going to enlighten your path. Don't snuff that out and do not despise prophetic utterances. Now, we don't really use that language very much, but it's basically don't despise what God is trying to tell you, even though it might not match up with your personal needs. So in other words, don't quench the Spirit. Well, how would you quench the Spirit, the Spirit of God? Well, he gives us some clarity in the very next uh, two verses. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So here's what I'm going to encourage us to do this week. The way you drown out the Spirit, the way you quench the Spirit, is by filling your mind with things that are not of the Spirit. 
It's almost like having two voices at the same time. And if you notice, again, I might pick on some of you. I don't know. I just come up with these examples if it applies to you. That's a you problem, not a me problem. Okay. So it's, it's almost like, what, what did you fill your mind with this week? It doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be something wrong. But whatever it is, if it's a, a bunch of, I'll, I'll put myself on the spot, okay? It's like this. I'm just talking, and the Holy Spirit comes up to me and says, hey, what did you think about the Lamar Jackson signing this last uh, week? I said, oh, man, Holy Spirit, I'm glad you asked. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I wouldn't have given him, you know, five years fully guaranteed. I'm glad they didn't do that. Sometimes he's got injuries going on, and the Holy Spirit says, good, I'm really glad, because the next signing, we want you to be involved. And I go, really? Like, really, Holy Spirit? No. No. As a matter of fact, for sports, I want you to volunteer for peewee football. That's what I want you to do. See, if my mind is just focused on this, I can't hear him talking. He's like, Holy Spirit comes up to you. Hey, what do you think about inflation that's probably coming? They're probably going to have a recession. <gasps> Holy Spirit, I'm so glad you asked. I don't know if the Fed's going to raise by like a quarter of a point or not, but... Man, the ISLM curve is going to really affect GDP. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. And I said, you know what? We'd like you to be on the Fed. Really, Holy Spirit? No. No, we want you to give sacrificially. That's the only thing you have to worry about in financial stuff. You don't have to worry about the recession. You don't have to worry about who's in power. You don't have to worry about interest rates. How are you handling your finances? Now, I can't hear the Holy Spirit talk about my finances if I'm worried about the world economy of which I can do zero. Right? You say, oh, oh, oh man, did you see that Devin Mulvaney was on a Bud Light can? I don't even know what's happening to sexuality in America. Oh, and the Holy Spirit says, oh, we want you to work for Bud Light and fix all of that and make sure that everybody knows that gender fluidity. Is a really, Holy Spirit? No. Stop objectifying people of the opposite sex. That's what you're going to work on right now. You fix you. Fill your mind with you and the Holy Spirit, not everything else. Okay? See, we quench the Holy Spirit by filling our minds. And it might not be bad things. It might not be wrong things. But we've just kind of like, I, I love to listen to podcasts. I love science. I love science. I could listen to podcasts about science all day. Like when I'm fixing something around the church, I have my headphones in and I'm listening to a podcast. Is that really what I'm supposed to be doing? Is that really what I'm supposed to be doing? So here's what I'm going to commit to this week that I was hoping you'd join me in this week. And it's super simple. What is my mind set on? And so the way we slowly turn this ship around is by taking away and adding. Taking away and adding. So I'm going to take away, there's a podcast I listen to, I'm going to take it out of my life for a week and I'm going to figure out what the Holy Spirit would have me add to to hear his voice in my life instead of that. Because this is exactly where the freedom is found. So for you, it might be the news. Because I guarantee you, no matter what's happening 
with a train wreck in Minnesota, they ain't asking you to fix it, okay? And so we take that out and we go, okay, I've just given the Holy Spirit room. I've given the Holy Spirit room as the worship team comes back up. Because the reality is that this tension is just built in us. And until we change the system of how we go about our life, we are going to keep that going. So you might have to remove a podcast. You might have to remove a TV show. You might have to remove romance novels. You might have to remove Christian novels. You might have to remove the music you listen to. Your commute maybe is filled with just NPR and you're just kind of keeping up with what's going on. What if you removed that and you added something else? And this is the beginning of what happens when we set our minds. The key to victory is changing our mind. We're going to end with one more song. And uh, we uh, typically have, I don't know if we have, do we have people set to pray at the cross? If you are, just raise your hand. I don't know if we did that this week. Okay, listen, we don't worry about it this week. But uh, the altar's open. If you have something you want to pray about, maybe you want to come to the front. This is what I'm going to do, right? When I'm done talking to you is I'm going to go right around the corner and I'm going to kneel down. I'm going to ask the Lord to be real specific with me because I know he's already given me one thing, but I think he's supposed to give me two. And so I'm going to be real specific. What's my second thing I got to get rid of? And then I'm going to ask him, if he doesn't tell me while I'm kneeling down throughout the week, what do you want me to add? Do you want me just listening to the word? Do you want me to add silence? Do you want me to extend my time with you and just be quiet? What is it that you want me to add? What am I taking away and what am I adding? And so uh, we can do that and Tanner will sing a song. And for those of you who are new, we'd love to have you fill out one of those connection cards. Or if you have our app, you can, if you're watching online, you can just log in and uh, put a connection card that we know you're there. When you do that, it really helps us because then we know who hasn't been here for a while and we can reach out because sometimes the enemy says they don't care about you and we really, really do. For some of you, uh, this is a week where you give and uh, we just have a box in the back and you can just give back there if you give uh, to the Lord that way. And then uh, when we're done with that, I'll come up and bless us We'll be on our way. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, man, we're so thankful that you made it. You did it. You came in the flesh and you fulfilled the law. And then you breathed upon us the Holy Spirit so that we could be empowered to live a life of victory in you. We're not just sinning and asking forgiveness, sinning and asking forgiveness, but we can actually have victory. We can get over our anxiety. We can get over our outrage. We can get over our fear. We can get over our need for comfort. So, Lord, we thank you for that. Just pray that you, we would hear your voice in the next few minutes. Let me go ahead and stand for the blessing. Again, for the men, hopefully we'll see you on Tuesday at 5.30 and... Uh, there by the tin can. But uh, now, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you go in his peace, in his strength, in his joy, and in his victory. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.